1: We talked about the fall economic update, a $40 billion deficit projected for March, and many other deficits projected after that as well. And as I've said before, I'll say it again, this particular government was handed a balanced budget. And here we are. But let's set our sights on the provincial economy just for a second. Uh, our next guest has been on the show before. Ken Peacock is a Chief Economist and Senior Vice President at Business Council, of British Columbia. Uh, and he's been on here before talking about the Clean BC Roadmap. Now, this roadmap uh, focuses on modeling in regards to dealing with the issues of climate change and sort of legislating rules in regards to how we deal with our greenhouse gas emissions. But at the same time, uh, Ken uh, discovered something as he was going through the province's Clean BC Roadmap. Uh, he joins us now. Ken, thank you for your time. Today, you're very welcome. I wanted to talk about this because it was brought up in the provincial legislature today during question period. Walk me through when you're going through the Clean BC roadmap over the summer. To my understanding, what was the one data point that really stuck out for you?
0: Yeah. So, so what's going on here, Jazz? Is, is the government uh, undertook uh, a very comprehensive and extensive modeling exercise? to uh, understand uh, the impact of the policies uh, in the clean BC plan, which includes $170 a tonne carbon tax, hard emission caps in sectors, standards and regulations, and and so on, uh, so that they would have a sense as to whether or not they would be able to uh, realize and meet these targets. But, of course, intricately uh, intermixed and tied with that is the impact on the economy. So they also simultaneously did this economic modeling uh, and this is where the story gets uh, a, a little convoluted the business council has worked closely with the provincial government on all aspects of climate policy and energy policy and and we uh, over the past three four years routinely asked for modeling results insight into what the policies would do and whatnot but we're, we're sort of informed that no such modeling results were available Anyway, fast forward to this summer, through a bunch of uh, uh, circumstances, unforeseen circumstances and, and some accidents, uh, I stumbled upon some modeling results that indeed the government had done and posted on its website. Uh, and the, the, the punchline or the bottom line of that is when they look at the difference between uh, a scenario that doesn't have the Clean BC policy, instead it has $30 a carbon tax kind of the business as usual world up to 2017 where we did have some climate policies in place but not as much as in the roadmap plan then we compare this scenario to the projection with the roadmap plan policies in place and what the result is is the bc economy growth slows to a crawl and in 2030 is 28.1 billion dollars smaller than it otherwise would be So this slowing to a growth uh, big reduction in economic output. Uh, this is wages and income, mostly the households. Uh, really got our attention, Jazz. That that's sort of the overall summary.
1: So the economy is shrinking. Now we have to take into consideration: we have people moving here, we've got international students coming here. So the, the people are still coming here, but when it comes to our potential of our economy by 2030, it actually shrinks by 28 billion dollars. Now, is it a particular? Is it one sector that gets hit really, really hard, or is it sort of a, a broad? Case issue here that it's everybody that's impacted.
0: Yeah, this this uh, again. This is part of the reason we were so surprised when we found this result. So I just got to clarify a little bit. So the economy doesn't shrink twenty eight billion dollars from today or from twenty twenty or anything like that. It is twenty eight billion dollars smaller than it would than it would otherwise be in twenty thirty. So it's so we are going to get some growth, but but to your point the uh, annual average economic growth in this model or within these projections as a result of clean dc 2030 slows to a crawl in the second half of the decade just 0.4 percent uh you know usually two percent kind of respectable. three and a half its growth uh, in gdp is strong 0.4 percent is bumping along near near recession territory and to your point Uh, When we recognize that we're going to have population growth uh, almost certainly in excess of 2%, this means on a per-person basis, uh, the economy is indeed contracting. uh, There's less income, and and economists, we talk about GDP per capita. That's just shorthand for prosperity and Mm well-being. And the result of this population growth while the economy slows to a crawl means per capita incomes Fall and jazz—they fall back to levels that we uh, had in 2013. So it's about a 17-year setback in prosperity and well-being in BC, Uh, and this is this is why this has really got our attention. Uh, at the business
1: council. So it, it, this is in regards to you know your standard of living as an individual and the potential you would have. This sets you back uh, quite a bit. Is there a particular sector, going back to my original question, is there a particular uh, yeah. sector that gets hit harder? Uh, I'm just curious as to what sector is going to absorb a lot of this, or sectors.
0: Yes, yes, apologies you did ask that, and I got I got a little distracted. Uh, it, this, this is the other thing. So what the modelling results show is it really hurts the foundational sectors, the export sectors of BC's economy, because those are the more carbon-intensive areas. So, our mining and our pulp and paper sector and our fossil fuel industry, they get really, really set back. Um, you know, to the point of it's which mills are going to close down, which projects don't proceed, which people get laid off, uh, type of type of impact. And then there's spin-off negative implications that go throughout the economy. Uh, companies and businesses selling services to those foundational sectors. And then there's fewer goods and services being bought by households in the model. Presumably that's being picked up because households and people are not as well off. So all these things are captured and the interrelations in the modeling captured. And the result is every single sector that is modeled, the model uh, produces results for 24 different sectors in the economy. Every single one is smaller in 2030 than it would be otherwise compared to the reference scenario, jazz it, with the exception of electricity and electricity uh, transmission. And this, of course, makes sense because the Clean BC Roadmap is about electrifying as much as we can. So the impacts are right across the economy. Uh, and this is one of one of the results that is really really quite surprising uh and a second a second element that to repeat the phrase really got our attention at the business council
1: so, you know, I, uh, I just had uh, Andrew Weaver on yesterday on the show. We were talking about um, uh, the earth hitting two degrees Celsius above uh, pre-industrial times. And, and it was just for a brief moment on Friday, we hit a, a new record in regards to climate change. Uh, and we all see the wildfires here. We we've we talked about the heat dome for many times on this show. Now, climate change is real. Does this mean that, that we need to, at this, you know, we have to deal with climate change? But in regards to carbon tax, this is a question, and we need to pause for for a while until people's incomes and salaries and industries can 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 cope with this. That we're just moving too fast in dealing with some of this.
0: Yeah, so there's a bunch there's a bunch of pieces in that in that question, mm-hmm. Jazz. Um, most certainly, I, I've been looking, and we've been looking at at all these results and the plan. And the history of BC's greenhouse gas emissions, and it is absolutely the case that this short timeline, just six seven years from now, uh, with forty percent reduction in GHG emissions below two thousand and seven level, uh, it's those are very aggressive. It's the combination of the near term and, and the aggressiveness of the of the targets. Just just so listeners know, right now or in twenty twenty one, BC's GHG emissions were about two and a half or three percent below reference year. So we have another 37.5% to make up in the next, next six or seven years. So it really is a stretch. So this is why you get the economy, you're having to dampen down growth in the economy broadly in order to be able to, to meet, meet those targets. That's, that's something that is going on. So I, I, what we are asking is, given these inordinate costs, I mean, this really is a world jazz where there's greatly diminished opportunities and i I am particularly concerned about diminished opportunities for younger people, especially given the other backdrop that that we are currently currently find ourselves in so uh, that that's the concern very broadly diminished and so given those costs, we do need to ask ourselves uh, also considering that b c accounts for just 0.19% of global emissions. Uh, and if we met those very aggressive targets in 2030, we, we still would be 0.19 or maybe 0.187% of global emissions. Uh, and if we don't meet those very tight targets, we're probably still going to be 0.19% of global emissions. So I think I'm, I'm just asking, it's reasonable to say, absolutely, we've got to sh- sh- bolster up Uh, our our, uh, infrastructure for extreme weather events um so perhaps you know just given these extreme costs we should focus more on resiliency recalibrate timelines to 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 some degree uh, with these inordinate costs in in mind it's kind of but it's very difficult to know we don't have full information jazz we just stumbled across these modeling results So we're operating a little bit with one hand tied behind our back in in terms of trying to understand all the implications. I
1: I get your point, though. A small subnational economy of 5 million people isn't going to save the world. We have a role to play, but we're still not China or India or the United States or many other large economies. That, that, That point I totally understand. Ken, as always, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Jeff.